Over the summer, I sat down with Pam Olick, our Vertical Alliance Manager for K-12 at Connection. We talked about the three ways the CARES Act can support K-12 education. Now that schools are deep into the first half of a new school year, it's time to see how things are going. I'm your host, Penny Conway, and on today's all-new episode of Connection to Experience, Pam returns along with our education expert from Intel, Kevin Schmidt, to talk about how schools are leveraging funding for technology and the work they still have ahead of them. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me here, Penny. Really excited, Pam, to have you back as our resident expert on K through 12. And Kevin, excited to, uh, you're a newbie to the podcast and we always love newbies. So I'll go ahead and give you an opportunity, Kevin, to share a little bit about yourself, your experience, and really the expertise that you're bringing to today's podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me here, Penny. You know, I've been involved in the U.S. education market for a long time, almost 15 years now with Intel. Previously, I was our account executive here in Florida and was covering some of our large school districts. And it was primarily involved with uh, Miami-Dade County Public Schools, a one-to-one initiative way back in 2005, I was telling Pam. Currently today, I help manage around 20 account executives here across multiple states that are involved in our K-12 and higher ed accounts. So again, very happy to be here with everyone. Awesome. We're excited to kind of dig into that experience that you have around those one-to-one deployments. Certainly a huge topic right now. But before we do that, Pam, why don't you take a moment just to reintroduce yourself to maybe the folks who didn't catch you the first time around on the podcast, uh, who you are, a little bit about your expertise and what you bring to the podcast today. Sure. So I am the Vertical Alliance Manager for Connection. Basically, I'm their education strategist supporting K-12. Prior to coming to Connection, I spent 15 years in education. Five of those years I spent teaching in a one-to-one environment. And for the last five years, I managed the instructional technology programs for a district that served about 75,000 students. Part of that work there included device implementation, software implementation, developing professional development programs, managing state grants. So kind of, you know, that whole, all of those different hats. And my work with Connection, I've had an opportunity, especially since March, is really to work with customers and kind of help them as they try to figure out what the right solutions are to help them navigate through the current crisis. Awesome. So when I said experts, I was not joking, folks. We've got Two people that Pam, who has been in the thick of deploying, integrating, training in the actual K through 12 environment and Kevin, your experience of, of really working with schools to accomplish that. So I'm really excited to get into today's episode and 
We obviously for the past 10 months have been talking about the impact of a pandemic. We know that remote learning, hybrid, remote in-person learning is happening. I sort of want to get a pulse check from both of you where, you know, date of recording right now is December 11th. Schools have been in session for a couple of months. Uh, Sort of what's the temperature read out there of school administrators and school teachers as they're sort of navigating the pandemic situation? Uh, with a new school year. Kevin, I'll turn it over to you first, maybe to get your uh, first take, and then Pam will let you take it from there. Oh my gosh, temperature reading, I would say red and overwhelmed. You know, I think everyone that's involved right now in K-12 is just feeling very overwhelmed right now. You're seeing teachers get super creative to try to keep kids engaged by putting stickers on their faces. (laughs) You're seeing kids outside of you know, Wi-Fi hotspots to try to get connected. I mean, everyone's just getting very creative right now. And and I think we're just all trying to do the very best we can at this particular moment under some very unique and very challenging circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. I love the stickers on their head. I get I give teachers major props right now because that is a it's a tough game being an adult working with adults on camera all day long. I can't imagine what it's like from a teacher perspective. So Pam, what are you seeing with the schools that you're working with today? Definitely seeing a lot of uh, same things that Kevin has seen in terms of, you know, some frustration on the teacher's perspective with trying to get these students engaged. I see some positive movement, though, when it comes to, you know, when the crisis first happened and teachers were kind of forced into this emergency learning situation, you know, there was a desperate cry for professional development. But what we've seen lately is that districts really seem to have been listening and and started to provide that support to teachers. So I feel like that trend is starting to turn and shift the other way. And I feel like teachers are being supported now more than ever. You know, I like that a lot because one of the things I had mentioned in our intro that Pam, you and I had sat down and sort of went through you know, what are what are the three things you can start working on today and how you can leverage CARES Act funding? And professional development was a hot topic for us of going into a, a new school year. And so it, it really sounds like, you know, school administration, district leaders have started to heed that advice, put those things in place, and that's awesome. And I'm wondering, as we go into this next phase, What's the next thing they're going to be looking for? What's the new piece of advice that Connection and Intel are trying to put out there for the challenges that are to come over the next few months here? Yeah, let me, let me jump in here, Penny. You know, I think that as we hit the next phase and, and we're turning into 2021, it's really to try to slow things down a little bit and get back into a planning and more mindful approach. I I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that, I mean, God bless everybody that's in there. But last spring, I mean, it was just put out an immediate fire. Districts needed to get devices in the hands of kids and find creative ways to get them connected uh, to the Internet so that they could work remotely. To Pam's comment, we started to see a lot of school districts take the summer months to start getting some professional development programs in place with their teachers to try to get them ready for the fall. And but this fall has still been just, you know, there's been so many changes and depending on where you are in the United States of folks are still putting out fires and adapting to the situation. An example, my brother's a guidance counselor up in Cherokee County Schools in Georgia. And so they have had to 
they started school. They had to stop school for about three or four weeks. They started back school again. And, and those are just folks are still working through that right now. But I think as we get to 2021, we're going to get into a much more opportunity for folks to plan. And also, especially for schools that are not in classrooms today, like we have the opportunity to be in Florida, folks are going to need to start planning for that. Right. So that that's going to be a big part of the 2021 planning process, I think. Yeah. And Pam, what are you kind of seeing on, you know, the the new wave of of needs? Is it kind of in line with what, you know, Kevin's seeing? Are you seeing something out there? Maybe, you know, the first thing that kind of comes to mind when both of you were doing your intro was you talked about the one-to-one initiatives and deployments that are taking place. And my first thought was, wow, I bet you one-to-one deployments, even a year and a half ago, had a whole different set of criteria and purpose than it has today. So what advice would you you give both of you, Pam and Kevin, from a, a device perspective as, as we're really looking to this new wave of learning, this new wave of teaching, what has changed and what advice might you have to tackle those changes? I think Kevin hit on a really good point that, you know, districts were really trying to just survive as they are now as well. I think it's really important and the advice I would give to anybody that's really looking to kind of procure some devices and move towards that full one-to-one implementation is, you know, looking at for the future and future proofing those decisions and devices to make sure that the device that they're choosing not only fits their current needs, but fits what's going to happen when we come out of COVID and we have kind of a, a new way of learning for teachers and students. I don't think that some of a lot of the changes that have currently may, been made with education are going to disappear. So I think there's always going to be opportunities to flex instruction, to be able to pivot quickly to hybrid or remote days and in-person instruction. So I would just encourage our um, any customers that are looking to purchase devices, make sure that they're flexible enough to suit your future strategic needs. Pam, that was an excellent point. You know, I think that if you looked back at the requirements and the applications that school districts were running pre-COVID, some of that has really changed. And it's also gonna change as we start to look at more of a blended and hybrid learning environment in the future. As a quick example, video conferencing is now a mainstay application right now. That wasn't an application that school districts were testing and evaluating and part of their evaluation criteria for a disc or a device and determining what is the best device to deliver the best video conferencing experience. Just one small example, but I think there's a real opportunity for school districts to go back and reevaluate their device criteria based on the new learning paradigm that we're entering into. Yeah, excellent point. Excellent. No one expected, you know, the devices that they were buying three years ago to, to support the workloads or the type of work being done today. And, you know, that kind of that kind of brings me to sort of the the future we had, you know, when we had our initial conversation about how to use the CARES Act, you know, purchasing technology, training on technology. That was like you said, Kevin, it was sort of the fire drill. Let's get everything we need in place. Let's make sure that students are enabled, teachers are enabled. But as we look to the future, you know, we're looking to move into 2021 with new administrations, our new priorities. And so, you know, looking for maybe some of your thoughts around or what you've been hearing, Pam, I know you're a a data junkie and a research junkie. What sort of priorities are you seeing from a 
a national education level um, that we might be able to expect or plan for in 2021? So again, I think it's really connectivity and equity and access. So I think the priorities that we're seeing right now that they've recognized early on in March, and again, these are ongoing conversations that have really existed forever, is getting students connected. But once they get connected, you know, all connections aren't equal. So I definitely think we're going to be looking at connectivity. I think we're going to look at digital equity in terms of training for teachers as well as students. Not every student has the same knowledge of how to be successful learning with technology. So I think we're going to see those kinds of supports coming soon. Excellent. I want to talk a, you know, move into more of the the device selection because I one thing that I have noticed as just working from home and like we've said the the requirements are different the the work is different the workloads the uh, once you are connected even if you have you know we all are chatting on video and you can see as connections maybe get weak or strong video jumbles things jumble and you know there was a huge and I I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this but there was a huge rush on Chromebooks for education coming out of the the gate which was just browser-based, get what I need, you know, have the the G suite of products available. I'm wondering, you know, what are what are we going to be looking for in devices moving forward? Um, or what are manufacturers going to have to to do like Intel and all of the other OEM manufacturers that are putting out student devices? What are we going to be looking for in those devices in order for students to be more productive, in order for teachers to actually have a more uh, realistic interaction with students during a hybrid situation? Kevin, I'll throw that one over to you from a, you know, a device capability standpoint of what we can expect and to meet the needs in the future. Yeah, let, let me start with the teachers and then I'll dive into the students because there's a little bit of a difference there. But if you totally. look at a teacher today and what she would need versus or or he might need versus in the past. One, um, most teachers were supported by school techs that normally would have three or four schools that they would visit and be responsible for all the technology needs of those schools. And so if you were a teacher and your device had some issues or you needed some help with an application, you know, you could put in a support ticket and the person would actually come to your school, right, to help you solve that that issue. Now the teachers are working from home, right? And so the ability to get up and running if there's an issue is now significantly complicated versus what it was in the past. The good news is for teachers is that model has existed in the corporate side for a long time. So if you take myself as an example, who's a salesperson that works, you know, 3,000 miles away from my company headquarters, right? We are leveraging manageability and security tools that allow us to support a remote workforce. And those same tools are much more applicable for teachers than what they might have been in the past. So if you look at something like Intel's vPro technology that allows you to manage that device, even if it's got a blue screen, um, those things become a lot more relevant in today's world than what they might be in the prior situation. Yeah, excellent point. And Pam, from a, you know, connection is a, a reseller, picking devices, setting standards, all of that kind of stuff is kind of the business of what we do. Are you seeing the demand 
for those new kind of capabilities that Kevin's mentioning to have that remote capability to engage teachers in a different way. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing something different? I'd love to get your perspective. Definitely seeing the needs to be able to support teachers with doing kind of new learning and new teaching for students, you know, things from being able to support these video calls, you know, Zoom calls or, you know, Microsoft Teams calls or Google Meets calls, you know, that's a whole new capability that a lot of times when districts were purchasing devices in the past, that particular functionality and ability to support that work was not really taken into consideration. So, you know, those things as well as devices that are flexible and convertible that can be used as a touch with inking, those are the kinds of technologies that really suit a flexible and agile learning environment in the future. Excellent. And, you know, the the CARES Act funding is still, Pam, I'm actually going to ask you for your expertise on this because you are the expert. As I understand it, CARES Act funding is still being applied for, distributed. What sort of advice do you have for those schools that maybe don't have, you know, haven't applied for that funding yet, don't have the funding in place? How, what advice are you giving to them going into the winter to either apply for funds or what other funding sources might be available out there that people can take advantage of as they start to build this new tech strategy for education? When it comes to applying that CARES funding, time is really of the essence and knowing that, you know, you know, there's a constraint on devices worldwide. Right. So it's going to be really important for districts to go ahead and procure those devices as soon as they can and not wait for that funding. I think they have still a big window and opportunity for success, even if they've not really thought about how they're going to spend it yet, as long as they get through it pretty quickly, because I think at some point they're going to lose the ability to get those devices in in the, in the time and the manner that they would really prefer. Right. And, you know, Kevin, from your side with Intel, obviously you're, you're working to get these devices into distribution to be able to take advantage of how are you working with schools to sort of, manage timelines and leverage that funding? Um, What are you seeing in your day-to-day? Yeah, that's a great point, Penny. You know, one of the things that we've been really working with school districts on is to to go ahead and try to quickly get your orders in. This is a different world that we're in right now where, you know, in the past you could place an order for, for devices and expect them you know, within a few weeks. That's not the case right now. There there are situations where we're hearing where districts have placed large quantities, orders, and, and shipments at this point are out into February. And so if you're looking right now, the best advice I would give to a district is if you're trying to go to our traditional sort of deployment schedules where you would like to have devices by May so that you're you're getting them organized over the summer for next fall, you really need to be placing those orders fairly shortly. So I'm going to throw a I'm going to throw a little bit of a a cur- maybe it's not a curveball at you, but I I'm hearing what both of you are saying. It's time is of the essence from a funding perspective. You have to go and apply for it. You have to, or before even then, you have to have know what your needs are, how you're going to equip students and teachers. Then you have to go and apply for funding. You need to do it quickly. You need to be efficient. And then Kevin, the the deployment and the timeline uh, doing that, all of this has really just been accelerated. And I could picture myself a superintendent or a principal or whatever my role might be in administration or even a teacher going, 
oh my gosh, it's December and I have to now do everything today in order to even keep the already tight schedule I usually have without all of this stuff. What sort of positivity can we give or some refreshing advice to say, it's okay, we got your back. Uh, We're all in this, everyone's saying we're all in this together, but how do we sort of calm some of those nerves of the unknown that's still ahead, the work that's ahead? What would you personally say if you were sitting with a district leader or superintendent today to help them sort of navigate the months that are gonna be kind of rough ahead of them to make sure that they have a successful end of 2021, but also a good beginning of 2022? You know, Penny, as I'm looking at it, we're kind of, we've been talking a little bit about devices at this moment, right? And leveraging that funding and getting those orders in. But I would say this isn't such a bad thing. Look at this as a way to say, look, we let's focus on the immediacy of getting our device orders in, and then let's take a break and plan and think clearly over to, over the next several months of what are we going to do when the devices arrive? How are we going to plan for teacher professional development? How are we going to plan for student access? And and actually, once they kind of place those order for the devices, it allows them, I would look at it as a very good news, allows them to transition into the real meat and the real importance of making sure that the students are actually able to use the devices effectively and get the best learning outcomes from those devices. I love that. So it's like reverse, it's reversing the maybe steps that they used to take. They're going just in a different order, securing tech, and then let's build our strategy for deployment and enablement. I love that. Pam, anything else to add there? Because I think that's a that's a nugget is maybe put the cart before the horse, mm-hmm. but the horse will catch up, we promise. <laughs> yeah, I, I think one of the the good things is, you know, the, the disruption that has occurred in education is not a bad thing at all. It's opened up new ways of learning and kind of opened a lot of eyes in the education system in terms of, wow, there are different ways that students can learn and they can be successful. So in the long term, I think coming out of that, I think that's something positive that districts could look forward to as they've unintentionally uncovered new ways for students to be successful. And in the end, that's our ultimate goal. I have to say, you know, I don't have a school age kid yet. I have a three and a half year old, but I have lots of family who has, you know, kids from high school to middle school to elementary. And it's while been really stressful, it's also been really interesting. Like you said at the top, Kevin, what teachers are doing to try to engage their students. I think you hear a lot about the, oh, here's the problem with this. And these kids aren't doing that or remote learning. It's so hard to get my kid X, Y, and Z. But I... Pam, I can't agree more with you. The change that has come from this is really sort of exciting. And while like anything that changes, this is where we really muddle through the, you know, the challenges and the icky parts and the uncomfortable parts. But I really believe, and I think both of you, you know, looking at you and through this conversation, I really think there's a new horizon in education. And this was sort of like the flood that cleared the old way of doing things and has made way for a new way of doing things. It's going to you know, produce better students, better learners, better eventual career and entrepreneurs one day, like where this is a small piece of time. And I, I, I personally am just really excited, you know, to see what comes out of this and, and see what's changing. And from both of you and your careers in education, it must 
be really kind of neat to see. Pam, I'm sure you're like, oh my gosh, people are doing one-to-one. And Kevin, people are finally getting one-to-one devices Definitely. after all this time. Oh, I'm so excited. I mean, literally, if you if you take an optimistic view here, we just made something happen in one year that it, it would have taken 10 years to get to. Mm-hmm. We now are at a point where a student laptop is a required instructional material the same way a textbook was. You know, so anybody's been involved in instructional uh, technology. I mean, this is what we've been talking about for years now, and, and it's become a reality. And, and really, for me, I think the you know, if we can we can look at what's gone wrong, right? But if you look at the real opportunity, it is to provide an individualized educational program for every student through the use of technology where we can basically, you know, make sure that they're getting exactly what they need and, and providing that instruction much more individualized than what we've been capable of in the past. And I think that's the real excitement for, for folks as they're looking to the future. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate both of you joining us today to have this continuing the conversation of CARES Act and how we really leverage it for technology. And, you know, the things that we've discussed, I think we could probably do a check-in every few months with you guys just to see how this continues to evolve where, you know, technology decisions are now an integral part of learning rather than, oh yeah, we need a cart full of devices in the corner of the classroom over there in case we need them. And that that's really exciting, not only from our perspective as people who live and breathe technology, but also just for the future of students and education as a whole. So I really appreciate both of you for joining me today. Thank you so much for your time. And on whatever platform you are listening to us on today, please be sure to like, share, and follow us. You can leave us a comment to let us know how you liked today's episode or if you have any feedback for us. You can also find us at www.connection.com or email us at podcast@connection.com. The last thing we will leave you with today is Pam and Kevin. What is the best way for someone out there listening to get a hold of your team so they can continue this conversation about getting funding and um, making sure they get those technology orders and right away to keep their deployment schedules. Best way to get a hold of me and my team would be to email k12solutions at connection.com. And that will go to a team of people that will be able to address your question and get back in touch with you. Excellent. And Penny, we're going to make this super easy. The best way to get a hold of us is through that same email. (laughs) As a a key partner to Connections, they know how to reach out to anybody on the Intel team and make sure that we're all engaged on your behalf. Excellent. I love it. Thank you both again. Wonderful conversation. And we will check back in with you guys probably in a little bit to see how things are going around that May deployment time or delivery time you were talking about, Kevin. So thank you. And all of you out there listening, thank you again for listening. Thanks for having us, Penny. 